today. So we're in a message series which I've called Prayer Adventure. And why did we call it Prayer Adventure? Well, to put it simply, prayer becomes an adventure when we receive answers to our prayers. It's not much of an adventure when we pray and we don't get answers. It's also an adventure for us when we hear God speak back to us because as we say many times, prayer is to be two-way conversation. We speak to God, God speaks back to us. We need to learn how to hear God. Prayer is not an adventure when we are simply asking God for things and nothing seems to happen. Jesus said in John 16 verse 24, and I encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin, which has the outline and verses written out there as well. He said, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And so Jesus promised in this verse that when we ask him for things in his name, we're going to receive answers and we're going to be filled with joy. I mean, that's a good thing. Jesus wanted us filled with joy. I would, what's the opposite? <laughs> Not being filled with joy, being filled with sorrow or sadness or something. I'd rather be filled with joy. And that's the promise that Jesus gives to us. And that sounds like an adventure to me. So we're going to talk about today prayer obstacles. Obstacles or hindrances to prayer are things that cause our prayers not to be answered. They're things that stand in the way of our prayers uh, being answered by God. And so if we can reduce the obstacles to our prayer lives, we can expect to see more prayers answered. And that's going to bring us joy. And so that sounds like a good plan to me. Reducing the obstacles or hindrances to our prayers. Now the first requirement for a prayer to be answered is that the, the content of the prayer needs to be in accordance with God's will. And that is really what it means to pray in Jesus' name. I mean, oftentimes we've learned, you know, in the church environment to end our prayers and we say in Jesus' name, and we don't even think about what that means. But when we say in Jesus' name, it means, it should mean that what we've prayed before are things that Jesus would want. We're asking in his name, we're asking on his behalf because we believe that what we're asking are things that he would have us ask. They are things that are prayed according to his will. And so to pray in Jesus' name is to pray for the things he wants, not just for the things that we want. Now, the best of all possible worlds is when we want what he wants. And then we are praying in his name. 1 John 5, verse 14 says, This is the confidence that we have toward him, toward Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So these are two very important verses. They make it clear that God hears Prayers that are prayed according to his will. And if he hears the prayers that are prayed according to his will, he's going to answer them. He's going to give us the request that we ask of him. Now, the implication of this scripture is that if we don't pray in keeping with God's will, he doesn't even hear us. And if he doesn't hear us, obviously, we're not going to receive an answer to our prayers. Now, that's pretty clear cut. That's pretty straightforward. But things 
aren't quite so, so simple. Today we're going to learn there is more to getting prayers answered than simply praying the right content. We can pray the right content, but still not receive an answer from God because of different prayer obstacles. And so the prayer obstacle that we're going to be talking about today have to do not with the content of the prayer. We're going to assume we're praying according to God's will, but with the character of the person praying. Now, let me give you a little illustration of this from parenting. It may not be a perfect illustration, but perhaps it will help you understand a little better. Suppose a, a child comes to a parent and they ask for something, and it's something that would be good for them. I mean, you would have no reason not to give it to them. Uh, let's just say, uh, say a bicycle, okay? They don't have a bicycle. There's nothing wrong. Well, I mean, if you <laughs> ride in front of a car, it could be a problem. But overall, a bicycle is a good gift that you could give to a child. But as a parent, you know that this child who's asking for a bicycle is having a conflict with another sibling, and they're constantly uh, after each other. And in fact, asking for the bicycle was kind of an attempt to kind of one-up the other sibling, you know, give me a bicycle and not him or her. And so as a parent, you might feel, even though the content of this request is good, you might feel it may not be appropriate to give this child the bicycle, at least at this time. Because it's not an issue with the request, it's an issue with the child's character. And God, as our Heavenly Father, uh, oftentimes the same thing may be true with Him. So today we're going to look at three main types of obstacles to prayer. There are others, but we're going to look at these, which I consider the top three this morning. And so the first obstacle or hindrance to prayer is unconfessed sin. Now, the Bible says that even as believers, we do sin. And if we sin, we are to repent of the sin, confess our sins, and he promises to forgive us. So when we become aware of a sin, we're to immediately repent, confess, turn away from that sin, and ask for his forgiveness. And so we shouldn't cherish sin in our hearts. Now, Psalm 66, verse 18, the psalmist writes and says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And so the psalmist is writing here that if we cherish sins in our hearts, then God doesn't listen to our prayers, no matter how right they may be. And if God doesn't listen to our prayers, we've already learned from 1 John, we're not going to receive answers to our prayers. So what does it mean to cherish sin or iniquity in our hearts? Well, to cherish something is, is to love it, to have affection for something or, or someone. In this case, it's something. We are not to cherish sin. We are not to love it. We are not to hang on to it. To repent of a sin is to confess and turn away from it. That's the opposite of cherishing a sin. To repent of a sin is to say, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. To cherish is like, oh, I, I, I like to do this. I, I don't want to stop. And so loving sin and continuing to sin, cherishing sin will result in unanswered prayer. And why is that? Well, because unconfessed sin damages our relationship with God. Isaiah the prophet said, um, your iniquities have made a separation. You might want to underline that word separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does what? Does not hear. And so this verse, as well as others in the Bible, teaches us that 
that sin causes a separation between the sinner and between God. And why is that? Because God is holy. And he can't have an ongoing relationship with a person who is living in sin. And that's, that's really why unbelievers have no relationship with God. Their sin has separated them from God. And so how can sin damage the relationship of a, a believer with God? Well, a believer is someone who's repented of their sins, asked Jesus to forgive them. But for the believer, this confession of sin is to be an ongoing and daily process. And when that is happening, then our relationship with God is maintained. The things that come in between us are dealt with. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John. But if we hang on to our sins, if we don't confess them, if we cherish our sins, as we talked about with the last verse, it causes our relationship with God to be damaged. And the result of a damaged relationship with God is he becomes distant. As it says in this verse in Isaiah, his face is hidden from us. He, he's distant from us. He doesn't hear us. Now, of course, God knows everything, but it means he doesn't hear us with respect to answering the prayer. And so God is not hearing our prayers. Our prayers don't get answered if our sins have separated us from God. And so unconfessed sin is a big obstacle to answered prayer. And you might say, well, well, Pastor Dan, I mean, we all sin on a daily basis. How, how can we ever have our prayers answered? And the good news is you don't have to be perfect in order for God to answer your prayers. If we had to be perfect, I mean, we'd all be toast, right? I mean... Uh, we don't have to be perfect for God to answer our prayers. If you're praying and dealing with sin on a daily basis, you can expect God to hear and answer your prayers. And of course, Jesus taught us that in the Lord's Prayer. You know, the Lord's Prayer is meant to be prayed at least on a daily basis. I mean, not necessarily verbatim, but, but what's in there. And what's in there is asking for forgiveness. It's part of what we do regularly. But if we continually repeat the same sins over and over and, and we rationalize them away, which we can do in multiple ways, well, it's not so bad. You know, it's just a little thing. Everybody does it. Why do I have to stop? Then you won't have a close relationship with God. And the closer you are to God, the less you're going to sin. And the more your prayers are going to be answered. There's also a difference between intentional and unintentional sins. I don't have time to get into this in great detail today. But intentional sins are, I know it's wrong. I'm going to do it anyway because I want to do it for whatever reason. That's an intentional sin. Unintentional sins, um, you know, it's somebody says something to you and you say something back to them without even thinking about it that you shouldn't have said. You go, oh, God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. And you tell the person, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. It, you didn't, you know, think about it for three hours and then write them a nasty email. That, that's more of an intentional sin. Uh, there's intentional and unintentional sins. So intentional sins are much more damaging to our prayer life than unintentional sins. The bottom line is, we confess our sins and ask for forgiveness on a daily basis. And so the obstacle of unconfessed sin deals with our relationship with God. The next obstacle to answers to prayers is flawed relationships with people. Now the things that tend to give us problems with other 
people often is their sins. I mean, people hurt us or people sin against us. Probably quite regularly, sometimes unintentionally and sometimes intentionally. But God holds us accountable for how we relate to other imperfect people just like us. We're all imperfect. We all sin from time to time. We all hurt people from time to time. And unforgiveness will bring God's judgment. Matthew 18, Peter came up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So get out your calculator, Peter. But Jesus had just been teaching his disciples about the importance of going to someone who has sinned against them and, and seeking to be reconciled. And Peter is thinking ahead. He's considering the possibility of somebody sinning against him, Peter forgiving him, and then the person repeating it again. Multiple times. Now, there was a teaching of the Jewish scribes at this time that you only needed to forgive three times. And once you hit three, the person did it again. You didn't need to forgive him because he was obviously just a bad person and kept doing this stuff. And so Peter more than doubles the figure that was commonly taught at his time. He says seven times, you know, seven times. I'll forgive him seven times. What happens the eighth time? Well, I won't forgive him. And so Jesus goes back and sets Peter straight, he basically says, no, don't count up 77 times. He says, you need to forgive without limit. That's what Jesus is saying. And then Jesus goes on to tell a story about a servant who'd been forgiven much by his master, and then he refuses to forgive another servant of a much smaller infraction, a much smaller debt. And at the conclusion of the story, in verse 34, Jesus says, In anger, his master delivered him, the unforgiving servant, to the jailers until he should pay off all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so if we don't forgive others, no matter what the offense is, we come under God's judgment. In fact, Jesus said, Right after the Lord's Prayer, we don't have time to look at that verse. If you don't forgive other people, God won't forgive you. Now, that's pretty serious. Sometimes I have people come up to me and say, I just can't forgive that person. I said, yes, you can. You won't forgive that person. And you better forgive them because if you don't forgive them, God won't forgive you. And that's pretty serious business if God is not forgiving us. And so that is a, is a big deal. And so obviously when we're in that position, if we don't forgive other people, we're under God's judgment. God is not forgiving us. We're not going to see our prayers answered. And so unforgiveness brings God's judgment. Lack of love also hinders prayer. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. And so, in this passage, God is giving instruction with regard to the marriage relationship. If a husband does not show honor to his wife, if he does not live with her in an understanding way, I would say in a, in a loving way, then his prayers will be hindered. 
In other words, lack of love in a relationship, in a marriage relationship here specifically, will lead to hindered prayers. And I believe a hindered prayer is simply a prayer that is not heard and is not answered. How else is prayers hindered? I mean, you don't get the answer. The answer doesn't come. In this passage, there are also instructions given to the wife on loving her husband. So I'm going to take the liberty and say this also applies to wives. If you don't love your husband uh, properly, I believe your prayers will be hindered as well. And so this whole point of flawed relationships with people is really a subset of our first point of unconfessed sin. It's just another way of sin uh, by not showing love in our relationships, particularly uh, we're concentrating here on close relationships, but applies to all relationships. So let's ponder for a minute how our relationship with other people affects our relationship with God. And oftentimes, we can understand better how God relates to us, how our Heavenly Father relates to us as children when we think about a family, uh, a human family. So as a father, I have a special love and concern for each one of my, I think it's seven, yeah, seven children. Uh, lose track from time to time. Uh, but uh, no, not really. <clears throat> but suppose I become aware of somebody treating my, one of my children badly or harming them in some way. Will my relationship with the person hurting my child be affected by their behavior towards my children? And yeah, you know, because I love my children. I care about them. If somebody's trying to hurt them, that's going to impact my relationship with this other person. And the same is true of our Heavenly Father. If we don't treat other people created in His image, children of God in, in a sense, I mean, even if they're not believers, they're still children of God in the sense that He created them. If we don't treat them in the way that God would have us, it's going to damage our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's going to affect our prayer life. And so God desires for us to live a life of, of forgiveness and love for all the people that he's placed in our lives, just as he gives love and forgiveness to us. We are to be children. We are to emulate the example of our Heavenly Father in all of our relationships. The third obstacle to prayer is lack of faith. And this obstacle has to do with our faith in God. There are two levels of faith required for answered prayer. The first is that God is able to answer our request. And the second is more difficult. It's faith that God will answer our request. And so we must learn to believe in God's power. Let's look at Matthew 17. It says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Speaking of a demon... Uh, that was uh, possessing a boy. He said to them, because of your little faith. Underline that, little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So in this story, a, a man had brought his son to the disciples to be healed of a demon. This demon would sought to kill him It, it threw him into water to drown him, into the fire to burn him, uh, just took control of him. The disciples tried. They could not uh, heal the boy. They couldn't cast the demon out. And the reason for their failure, basically for the reason, the reason for their lack of 
answered prayer in this case, it wasn't sin. It wasn't problems with other people. Jesus said it was their little faith. And Jesus said if they had faith just like a mustard seed. Now, the mustard seed was the smallest seed that, that farmers of that time sowed. And it was about one to two millimeters long, which is very, very small. And so just a small amount of faith. Jesus said it was enough to move a mountain. And so the disciples, <laughs> their faith was even littler than the mustard seed. That's what Jesus was saying. It was almost non-existent. And so Jesus then rebuked the demon, uh, came out. The boy was instantly healed. And so the disciples were not believing in God's power. And so their connection with God wasn't strong. And they were not able to do what God wanted them to do. To see answers to prayer, we must ask without doubting. James tells us in chapter 1, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, in the context of these verses, uh, God is saying you can ask him for wisdom. But I think we can apply this to any kind of a prayer request. In order for prayers to be answered, they must be prayed in faith without doubting. Somebody who doubts is double-minded. That's what the illustration of the wave in the sea. One moment you're, yeah, God, I think you're going to answer this. And the next moment, no, I, I, I doubt you're going to answer this. You go back and forth, back and forth like a wave on the sea. The doubter's faith level goes up, up and down. And so... God's word is telling us here when we ask, we need to ask in faith. We need not to doubt. We mustn't doubt in order for our prayers to be answered. And so if we have little faith, if we struggle with doubting, which all of us do from time to time, it will be an obstacle to receiving answers to our prayers. And so what can we do? Well, faith can grow. Uh, just like a seed grows, okay? A seed grows. That's the parable of the mustard seed. The seed grows from little to big. Faith can grow. And so your faith can grow for specific needs that you have in your life. And how can that happen? Well, faith comes primarily by studying God's Word and choosing to believe it. Now, to study God's Word, it's one thing to say, Okay, I read this story about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, and I believe it really happened. Oh, that's good. I mean, we should believe what's written there really happened. But the second level is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did back then, he still can do today. And so that's where our faith needs to grow. It's not just a story of what happened in ancient history. It's written to tell us that God is the same today, and if we have faith, he can do the same things today. In our lives. And so faith grows as we study God's word and believe it. Now how does a child grow? Well first of all. Uh, in order for a child to grow. They need to be fed. If you don't feed a child. Uh, they're not going to grow. They're going to get sick. And so. In order for us to grow spiritually. In order for our faith to grow. We need to be feeding on God's word on a daily basis. And the reason it's so hard for many people to spend time daily reading your Bible and studying God's word is we have an enemy, Satan, who doesn't want you to grow. He wants to keep you weak and feeble. And so he's going to do everything possible to take you away from the word of God. So we need to 
make a priority in our lives of spiritually growing by studying and reading God's word on a daily basis. It, our faith will grow as we read God's word and we choose, we make a choice to believe it. Secondly, in order for a child to grow strong, they need to exercise. In the same way, we need to exercise for our faith to grow strong as well. Now, what happens when you exercise? Suppose you're going to be a runner. You've never run before, and you go, say, I think I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. Say, is that going to happen? No, you're going to hurt yourself. You know, you're probably going to keel at mile two. Because you just don't start with a marathon. Same thing with a weightlifter. You know, I'm going to go into the gym. I've never lifted before. I'm going to lift X hundred pounds. Like, no, you're not. It doesn't work that way. How does it work in exercise? You start small. You start where you're at. Say, okay, I've never run before. I'm going to try to run a mile. You barely make it to the end. But you keep on, and eventually you can run further and further. Same thing with weights. You start with a little weight, and you lift that for a while. You get stronger, and your weight goes up and up and up. And the same thing is true with faith. Your faith can grow as you believe God for smaller things in your life. I'm not saying don't pray for big things, but if you're not seeing God answer the small requests, it's going to be hard to have faith for the really big things. And so you begin with smaller things in your life, and you, as you see God answer those requests, your faith grows, and you can ask him for bigger and bigger things in your life. Some people get mad at God for not answering their prayers. In fact, it's a pretty common thing. God, I asked you to do this big thing, and you didn't do it, and now I'm mad at you. I mean... Is it really a smart thing to be mad at the creator of the universe? It's like, it's not really smart, okay? It just, you don't want really powerful, I, I don't know. I, I try to be compassionate to people who are mad at God, but it's just not a smart thing to be mad at God, okay? And God always is good. He always does the right thing. And so if there's a problem, it has to deal with us, not him. God never makes mistakes. Now, I'm sure that each one of us wants to see more of our prayers answered. So the way forward is not to be mad at God because he didn't answer something. It's like, what can I do? What obstacle is standing in the way of my prayers being answered? The, the issue has to do with me. It doesn't have to do with God. God wants to answer your prayers. Jesus just said, ask and you'll receive. Your joy may be full. I want you to, I want you to have answers to your prayers. So we need to look at ourselves. The way forward is to pray for things that are God's will according to his word. And then dealing with each of these obstacles or hindrances that we struggle with from time to time. Confess your sins on a daily basis. Keep a clean slate with God. Keep growing in your relationship with him. Forgive others when they hurt you. Don't hold grudges. Treat them with love. Treat others with love even if they don't deserve it. You know, God loves us. We don't deserve it. And finally, build your faith. Believing God for little things and believing Him for increasingly bigger things so that you and we together can move mountains for God. Now, the first step of faith for each and every one of us, and many of us have taken this first step, begins by praying, putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the very first time. 
If you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't hear God speaking to you, if you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, you're not sure that you have eternal life, that you would go to heaven when you pass on. God wants you to be sure. He wants you to have this relationship with him. And we begin the first step of faith that God hears is a is a prayer of admitting that we've sinned, repenting of that sin, turning away from it. The Bible says all have sinned. We're all in the same boat. We all need to start there. Secondly, we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ, that he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. We believe that. We choose to believe. And thirdly, we take a step of faith and we commit our lives to him. We say we're going to follow him and do what he says. And so I'd like to ask everyone to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ before or you'd like to recommit your life to him, perhaps you've done something in the past and you feel like you've drifted away. And from time to time, God may lead you to recommit your life to him simply by praying uh, this prayer once again. And I would encourage you, whichever situation you're in, if you're in those situations, to pray in your own heart as I pray. Pray something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things that I knew were wrong. And I repent, I turn away from those things. I choose to believe and trust my life to Jesus Christ. I, I believe that he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for my sin that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word that teaches us the very best way to live our lives. Forgive us, God, for our weak prayer lives that don't see the answers that you have for us. Forgive us for allowing obstacles and hindrances to get in the way of the good gifts that you as a father have for us. We want to see our prayers move mountains in our lives, in the lives of other people. We want to see our prayers impact our city. Remind us, God, to confess our sins regularly, to keep a... a a clean slate before you. Help us not to cherish any type of pet sin and, and hang on to it so that our prayer lives are not hindered. May we choose to forgive quickly anybody that's hurt us. May that just be our natural response. That I forgive you. I don't hold this against you. Help us to show love even to people whom we might consider our enemies. And finally, we ask that you teach us how to see our faith grow. We want to conquer doubt. We want to continually grow in our faith to believe you for bigger and bigger things. Help us to exercise our faith on a daily basis. And God, we thank you for the answers to prayers that we're going to see. We ask you for more answers to prayers in each of our lives and in our church in 2019 than we saw in 2018. We don't want to stay the same we don't want to go backwards. We want to go forwards. We want our faith to grow. We want to see more answers to prayers. We want to see more joy. 
as those answers come. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.